0: I think oftentimes um, Chinese medicine practitioners get a little bit too comfortable in using the words that we were taught in Chinese medicine school. But, I mean, the average person has no idea what that means. And so we really need to translate that for them. And we really need to put it in language that helps them best understand what's happening.
1: I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. I recently came across this little quote, when you get it right, you're practicing. And when you get it wrong, you're learning. That pretty much sums up a day in the clinic for me. There are those patients we see where we pretty much know what to do. We've already learned our way around the issues that they bring in. The encounters leave us with that satisfied sense of competence and ability. All that hard work of learning of being able to see through the constellation of symptoms and constitution, of being able to recognize what's going on for a patient so that the rest of the interview is one long confirmation of our diagnostic hypothesis. It comes together and it feels really good when we can practice what we know. But learning is a different issue. And learning is something we're constantly being asked to do in our practices. I've heard it said that if you're a good student and you go to a good school, you'll learn about 12% of what you need to know to practice. The rest, you learn from your patients. Now, that might sound like a lovely opportunity to engage in lifelong learning, but here's the thing. Engaging the learning process in your clinical work, that doesn't feel nearly as good as practicing what you already know. And in fact, it often feels awful. It feels like failure. It's uncomfortable to be at the edge of our understanding and ability, and yet, in the position of providing care and treatment at the same time. Learning feels really different from practicing. I found that it's helpful to be able to make the distinction between whether I'm practicing or learning. Knowing that I'm not on the firm ground of practice skill helps me to be more attentive to what's unfolding in the clinical moment. So perhaps I can learn how to treat an issue that I don't yet fully understand. Being able to stay present and greet success or failure with a sense of equanimity so neither feeling becomes a distraction is what helps me to navigate those clinical encounters that are more about learning than about practice. And of course, I fail all the time at this, but it's our job as practitioners to pick ourselves back up and engage in the process of learning, especially after we recognize how we just failed. There's a lot of getting it wrong on the way to getting it right. And if acupuncture was as simple as a series of protocols, well, our patients could get their acupuncture at Walgreens. That learning part, it takes a lot of heart on the part of the practitioner. And of course, in time, it does get easier, not because we have more knowledge and experience over on the practice side of the equation, but because we get better at navigating that liminal space of not knowing that always accompanies learning as we loosen our mental models and perception enough to allow in new information and risk allowing that to change how we work. Practice and learning are not the same, but they're both essential to the work that we do. In a moment, we're going to be getting into a discussion about using Chinese medicine to treat dermatological issues. This is one of the many areas where Chinese medicine can really shine and be a great benefit to people suffering from skin conditions. And Olivia Shu Friedman has gone exclusively into treating difficult skin issues. It's a great discussion of healing from the inside out. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit accufastneedles.com cheological geological to learn how.
2: Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gone this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Meiwei.com to find the perfect Ponsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face, so subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust Meiwei Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine.
1: I love how technology can help to automate my office, and I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so. Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it. Even Saturdays, you can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to janeapp switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code geological at the time of sign up for a one month grace period on your new Jane account. But first, I've got a podcast that I want to share with you. Neil Civella is an integrative veterinarian. And in fact, he was on the podcast way back in episode 18. Neil has recently started up the Integrative Veterinarian. It's got some good stuff in it. And if you enjoy Geological, pop on over and see what Neil is up to. Hey, friends. Welcome back to Geological. Geological. I've got Olivia Shue Friedman with me today. I met Olivia recently at the Pacific Symposium out in beautiful San Diego and found out that she is very deeply involved with treating dermatological issues using Chinese medicine. Many of you know that Chinese medicine is fantastic for treating dermatological conditions, and so I'm delighted to have her join me today. Olivia, welcome to (laughs) Chilogicals.
0: Thanks, Michael. I'm really looking forward to talking to you today.
1: Me too. So you specialize in treating skin conditions. I do. What got you interested in skin conditions? I mean, different people have different itches to scratch, no pun intended, and it takes them down a certain road with Chinese medicine. What got you going with wanting to be able to treat dermatology?
0: Well, I think it's a common situation where something happens to you and it kind of leads you down a path. Um, I happened to be somebody who had eczema all of my life and was actually born with it, really struggled with it and had a lot of different issues that complicated it further, um, including allergies and asthma. And as I grew older, I actually had urticaria, which then led to anaphylaxis. So, There was a point in time where I was on as many as uh, seven different drugs at the same time. And it was really, really difficult managing the whole process, never really knowing when the next shoe was gonna drop, when I was gonna land in the hospital next, and uh, whether or not I was gonna be able to breathe that day. So long story made short, I ran out of all of my options in terms of Western medicine um, and Western practitioners and was really open to the idea of trying anybody and anything. And that led me to an herbalist who actually treated me and resolved all of my issues, except for my peanut allergy, which I think is a big win, considering all the other things that were going on.
1: That's that's incredible. So you were like walking around with an EpiPen exactly. because of the possibility of anaphylactic shock.
0: Correct. And oftentimes that EpiPen really just bought me 20 minutes so that I could get to the hospital and have you know, more bigger things keeping me alive. So, yeah, it was a pretty scary time. I was incredibly and profoundly moved by Chinese medicine in such a way that it became really obvious to me that if it could do this for me, it would be amazing to be able to do this for other people. So I changed courses and uh, went back to school and actually um, studied dermatology specifically so I could help people like myself.
1: Yeah. When you were getting the treatment yourself, when you first went to Chinese medicine, because Western medicine had just failed, basically, how long did it take before you started seeing some kind of changes for yourself? You know, often we think of dermatological issues is taking a long time. I'm wondering what that looked like for you.
0: Well, I would say there were a lot of different symptoms, as I mentioned, and I think they all took different amounts of time. But I saw changes right away and every step of the way there were different things that happened. So at first I think uh, my skin started to clear up and it became like less itchy or less inflamed and then over time it eventually resolved. I found that I just wasn't allergic to things that I was before as time went on. I think the thing that took the longest amount of time was being able to eat certain foods again and being able to not have them trigger But the anaphylaxis went away pretty quickly. The hives and the urticaria and things like that were pretty fast. So overall, I would say it was probably within the first four to six months where a lot of different changes happened and the ones that were probably the most life-threatening, I guess. And then as time went on, all of the systems sort of uh, healed over time and got better and better to the point where I was like 100%.
1: So much for Chinese medicine being the so-called slow medicine, huh? <laughs> you know, I mean, we often hear this, right? Oh, Chinese medicine, it takes a while. But in your case, not so much. It, it went pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's really hard to predict um, how quickly it will be for somebody. And I oftentimes have patients who come in and want to have that kind of timeline or want to be guaranteed a timeline. And it really depends on how much that particular problem has infiltrated your internal system and how many different systems it's it's compromised and I think that I probably was healthy overall and so I was in a better place for that to happen quickly but I think other people probably had a lot of other things going on so it takes a little bit longer
1: mm-hmm. so is your practice at this point primarily dermatology or do you do other things as well
0: yeah, I'm a hundred percent dermatology. I did start out doing some other things, but I found that I really, really gravitated to this and wanted to put most of my effort into it. And like anything else, once you get known for something, you know, everybody starts coming to you and then one person tells another person and whatnot, and before you know it, you have a lot of the same types of people who are seeing you.
1: Exactly. Not to mention a waiting list. <laughs> right. <laughs> so when it comes to dermatology. Lots of people think, oh, and this is, this is an acupuncture. Acupuncturists already know this, but I would think a lot of patients tend to think, oh, this is an issue on the surface of my body. Of course, as Chinese medicine practitioners, we, we tend to think, oh, this is an expression on the outside that's coming from the inside. And of course, we look at different patterns. That's just part of Chinese medicine in general. But for practitioners who may not be familiar with dermatology, Are there any things in particular that we would want to think about if somebody comes to us with some kind of a skin condition?
0: The skin is really a mirror of what's going on in the inside, as you already mentioned. It goes without saying that the skin is the largest organ in our body, so it's most likely to be affected by almost anything that happens to you, right? It's also the barrier that stands between you and the outside world, and it's really the thing that protects you from everything that's in the outside world as well. So it's not unusual for your skin to be compromised in some way, shape or form when anything happens to you. When a lot of practitioners or general practitioners try to treat skin, oftentimes they look at what seems like the obvious, like if there's some oozing that must be damp, (laughs) if there's redness that must be heat, But there's a little bit more subtlety and sophistication in trying to treat dermatological issues. And it really takes not just a trained eye, but a really good understanding of how many different patterns actually exist for each different condition and understanding how they actually manifest and how they can differ in different people. In the Western way that we look at it, oftentimes we say, you know, eczema is one disease and here are seven different drugs you use for it and everybody gets the same seven. And I think in Chinese medicine, sometimes we, if we're not specialists in dermatology, we kind of think the same way, like, oh, this looks like this. And so let's just treat it that way. But every single condition has a number of different patterns it could be. And it's really important to understand how they sort of can start as one thing and then start to evolve into another pattern, and then how they then evolve to even a third. So the really skilled practitioners are the ones who can kind of see where in the continuum this has occurred, and to pick out those herbs that actually address uh, the condition at that point in time.
1: With our diagnosis and our way of looking, we can very much take a snapshot of where somebody is. And often we can be helpful, but often there's a movie that's been playing before and after that snapshot. So it's like, how do they get to where they are? Where is it progressing? We can look at it at a moment in time, but if you can get that sense of where it's come from and where it's headed, that really changes how your diagnosis might go. How do you go in your work and in your mind from looking at a snapshot to trying to unravel what the movie is
0: well i think this is probably true of most practitioners who are doing chinese medicine i mean we all know that there's a lot of factors that go or contributing factors that go into what your condition is right and it's not just what the disease presents at, but oftentimes it's things like diet or you know emotional psychological components or What kind of environment are you living in? And then it's your own body constitution. I mean, how does your body present that's completely different than somebody else and what are you more prone to as a result of it? So all those things have to be taken into consideration when you're actually treating somebody because they definitely, they contribute. The other thing you have to think about is, you know, where can this go from here? And if we were to treat a certain way, there's always that balance of, you know, to simplify things, sometimes we think a lot about, you know, well, there's this dampete and we have to get rid of that dampede. But if we do too much of that training of the dampede, we can certainly set off a whole different set of skin expressions and then we have to start treating that too. So it's it's really a very delicate balance trying to watch the patient and see how they respond to the medicine and then finding a certain point where you know that it's time to pivot and go to the next place um, and to treat it a slightly different way. So you can't just treat one way. I mean, when we were taking classes with Mazan El-Khafaji, who is the master of dermatology, um, I would say most people who actually do dermatology have probably studied with him. He always says, you know, you have to drain first, then you have to harmonize, and then you have to tonify. And that sounds all simple, but it's it's a very, very sophisticated and delicate balance of trying to identify when each of those things is appropriate and really knowing what herbs are appropriate to use at each point.
1: Any pointers or any kind of landmarks that you have for yourself about when you've moved from say, okay, enough draining. Now it's time to harmonize. And again, okay, we've done enough harmonizing, let's let's bring the chi up or let's bring the blood up or whatever it is that you're looking to to tonify.
0: I would say that's something that really comes with experience. I don't know that there are hard and fast rules where you can just look at somebody and say, oh, now we're at this point, now we have to do this. Or it's that one symptom that tells us that. I think it's one of those things that you kind of develop over time because everybody really appears very different. And and how they get to that point can look incredibly different. So it takes a really trained, experienced practitioner to know when that point comes. And like I said, it doesn't look the same on everybody.
1: Right. Well, you know, Chinese medicine is a lot more like playing jazz than uh, playing classical music, isn't it?
0: That's a great analogy, I like that a lot.
1: Uh, There's days in my clinic I feel like I'm just riffing on something all the time. And on a good day, When I feel like I'm on it and I'm catching things, it's really fun. And then there's the other days where I just feel like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I think
0: that's a very common feeling. Mazin always tells us in class that if you've seen 100 people with the same condition, you're in kindergarten. And when you've seen 1,000 people with the same condition, you're in high school. And you know the hope is you get past that point and you can actually become an expert.
1: It really takes time, doesn't it?
0: It sure does.
1: Yeah. I want to come back to something that you talked about earlier with with your own situation that you had eczema. You were born with it. You also had allergies. You also had asthma. I remember when I was in Chinese medicine school, one of my teachers talked a lot about how eczema and asthma were the same issue. It was just a matter of where it happened to be located in the body and would therefore express in different ways. Does that does that make sense to you?
0: Yeah. Well, we understand that atophy actually is the combination of these three different things. And we have found, or not we, I wasn't part of that exploration, but um researchers have identified that, you know, these three things are very, very common and as well as allergic rhinitis. So You know, somebody who typically has atopic eczema early on in life is very, very highly prone to food allergies, asthma, and rhinitis throughout their lifetime. So um, there definitely is a correlation between all of them.
1: Mm -hmm. I understand that you're working these days in kind of an integrative setting. You're doing some, what do you call it, integrative dermatology? We talked about this at the conference.
0: So I have a couple of situations that you're probably referring to. I got involved with a group of people called Learn Skin. They are a group of people who are very interested in integrating dermatology practitioners and bringing them together and sharing ideas so that we can have better outcomes for our patients. And so, It was started by a bunch of MDs who then partnered with a number of Ayurvedic, uh, naturopathic, and TCM providers to try to build better bridges between all of them. I'm on the board for LearnSkin as one of the TCM representatives, and we have a conference every year to bring all these different types of people together and to present different ideas so that everyone can have a better understanding of each of the different medicines and also know how to actually go about finding different people and at what point in the decision tree it might actually make sense to reach out to somebody else and refer out. As a result of that, um, and a couple of other things that I've gotten involved with, I've met a number of different practitioners of other uh, disciplines that I now currently work with, and one of which is a doctor named Dr. Peter Leo, who's a dermatologist in Chicago, we often share patients where he has worked with them and given them all the different types of Western medicine um, solutions for their particular condition but may not be able to see the results that they desire and as a result he will send them to me and um, I'll start working on them with you know what I have available in herbal medicine. Uh, we have had a few situations where, Patients have been on things like biologics or immunosuppressants and they've been very successful on them, but they come to a point in time where they realize that this is probably not a lifelong option and that wouldn't it be nice if they could find something that's a a shorter term option that would eventually get them off of all of their different medications. So oftentimes Dr. Leo and I work on patients where we wean them off of the biologic or the immunosuppressant, and we start them on herbs, and then we move them to 100% herbs with the goal of getting them off the herbs eventually to the point where their skin is stable enough that they don't need anything. And then there's a few situations where patients are using different combinations of things and they just want something to supplement. So we kind of work hand-in-hand based on what the patient's expectations are or what their long-range goals are, and we try our best to help them in any way that we can.
1: I find it often challenging, this is just for myself, in working with patients that are on different pharmaceuticals and different kinds of drugs because I don't have access to that other practitioner who is prescribing these medications that might be helping them, Or often, because they're seeing me, they're actually either not helping or they're making situations worse. I don't have that doctor to talk to because the patient goes to see that doctor, then they come to see me.
3: Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at Anne Cecil Sturman. Thanks Michael, back to you.
1: When you guys are working together, how do you make sense of the situation? I mean, first of all, it's great that you actually have a connection with each other, so there's a bridge of communication. That's fantastic. Super lucky for your patients. How do you work out Oh, what are we doing with herbs? What are we doing with the pharmaceuticals? Actually, you use the term biologics. What does biologics mean? So
0: these are a new set of medications that are available for a number of different conditions where there's a active ingredient that actually is live and it goes into the body and works on various different cells. Depending on what the condition is, it works very differently. So there's a number of them that are available in dermatology right now. And For some patients, they work quite well. I mean, we have some people who are really, really suffering tremendously, and these are the first drugs that ever help them. Some unfortunate things are that they tend to be very expensive. For example, there is one that they use for atopic dermatitis called dupilumab, and it's $37,000 a year, and it's an injection that a patient has to do every other week to themselves, And um, it's something that they will likely need to do for the rest of their life. It's not something that's going to resolve their eczema. It's going to manage it. So it can be very costly. And oftentimes the insurance companies really fight against the doctors to uh, prescribe these things. And so the doctors have to work really hard to get them. They can work really well for some patients, but then for other patients, they sometimes find that there are some really unusual side effects, like uh, this particular one has a head and neck syndrome that produces a skin condition that's actually worse than the eczema that was in existence prior to taking the medication. So that's a really big problem. Another issue that comes up is conjunctivitis, Um, to the degree that it's so bad where people are actually losing vision temporarily. And then they have to get off of the biologic in order to regain their vision again. So like I said, in some cases, it really helps some people. And in some cases, it's, it's really uh, not helpful for people. And it actually causes some issues. And oftentimes, I see those people because they do not have any more options after that.
1: Yeah, that's usually when they come knocking on our door. Yeah, I mean, sometimes these modern medications can be super helpful, and other times they, they can cause their own kind of mischief. Thanks, I didn't know what biologic meant. I didn't realize that there was that class of medication. So that's, that's interesting. So back to, to that previous question, how do you guys work together when you're working together to make sense of things? Because you're coming from such different paradigms.
0: Yeah. um, Well, I I have to say that I'm really lucky to be in this situation because Dr. Leo is incredibly open to alternative medicine and has been for a really long time. He actually studied acupuncture when he was going through med school. So he has some basis of understanding of our medicine. Um, I happened to meet him at a National Eczema Association conference and I just introduced myself and, you know, you don't always know how that's going to go. But I mean, I just was incredibly lucky that he was receptive and then wanted to meet with me. And then we sat down and we just started talking. He also is part of Learn Skin. He's also on the board as well. So we see each other quite often for that.
1: So you guys are kind of cut from the same cloth that way. Kind of.
0: We yeah. we have a lot of areas where we sort of overlap. He also invited me to speak at his uh, Chicago Eczema Support Center Uh, where we provide help for anyone who has eczema um, to either discuss with other people what their experience is or to just teach them the newest, latest, greatest information that's available. I spoke there and I continued to go and I just became a faculty member uh, recently as well. So what I'm trying to say is that I think we've had a lot of different areas where we could work together and it made sense for us to. And luckily because he was so open to um, alternative medicine and I was also someone who was very open to Western medicine. While I had a lot of experiences with Western medicine that did not work out for me, they also were the things that kept me alive as well. So, you know, I have a great uh, appreciation for Western medicine as a result. So I think that's the other piece of it. I think Sometimes some people in our medicine can be very down on Western medicine, and that also can make the relationship a little bit different in terms of working with somebody. So I think it's really both parties needing to be open, both parties wanting to learn about how the other medicine works. Um, I always want to know every single medicine that's out there on the Western side to better understand what are its strengths, what are its weaknesses, You know, where can I come in and help or also, if what I'm doing is not helping somebody, I know that I can send them back to somebody who has Western training and can help them out in another way. So I think it's it's having both. Uh, both parties be really, really open to wanting to learn and constantly understand what can we do for our patients together?
1: Yeah. well, it sounds like it's helpful too that you have this broader interest in educating people and you have this broader interest in sort of promoting the profession in a sense. And it sounds like this uh, Dr. Leo also has that kind of a thing. So you guys don't just match up together on, oh, let's take care of our patients. It sounds like you've got kind of a broader vision that also connects you.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I think you're absolutely right by that. We both want to help our professions understand like where we can all help each other. Every medicine has its limits and every medicine has its strengths. And if we understand what they are, then we can really do the best thing for everyone that comes through our door.
1: Mm -hmm. What's the weakness of Chinese medicine when it comes to treating dermatology?
0: I would say, as you had mentioned earlier, that sometimes the length of time can really be rough on people. As a nation, we have sort of a expectation that if we want to get fixed we want to get fixed quickly and we want to be like a car we can just go in and get a tune-up and be done and I think the understanding that the body has been compromised for long enough that a number of systems are not working and therefore they need to be rebuilt or they need to be reworked is not something that a lot of people understand and as a result of that there's a lot of education and, and oftentimes a lot of time that needs to be taken in order to get better. So that can be a difficult thing for people to wrap their heads around. Uh, the other part of it is with that length comes the expense.
1: But we're not 30 some odd thousand dollars for a year. No, we're
0: not. But we are not covered by insurance. At least herbal medicine is not. I know some acupuncturists at this point, but herbal medicine is not. So a lot of people who are getting the biologics for $37,000 a year are not paying that $37,000 and their insurance company is. Um, The average person who's coming to me for herbal medicine is paying every single penny out of their pocket. And that can be really tough if it's going to be going on for, you know, more than six months up to a year. And I do have a number of patients where it does take that long um, because it is that serious and that complicated. So I would say the time that it takes to get better and also the expense of what it can be can be tough for a lot of people depending on where they're coming from.
1: Yeah. What about the strength? How do you see our medicine giving patients something that other medicines just can't quite give them?
0: Well, I think the biggest strength to Chinese medicine in general and not specific to dermatology is that it really addresses what's really causing the condition and not just managing the symptoms. And I think that... In dermatology, I would say a lot of the medicines are really just to manage symptoms. Um, you know, so much of the research that's done is looking at a specific mechanism that's gone awry and finding a chemical that can actually shut it down. And that's not really talking about, well, what's causing this mechanism to go wrong in the first place? Right. Or how, causing, how did that thing get started right, anyway? Or causing the whole cascade of symptoms to happen, right? Right. So the beauty of our medicine is that it actually does look at all the different reasons why all these different symptoms are coming about and really classifying them by different patterns and treating people very differently based on how it's being expressed. The other uh, strength is that it's it's incredibly customized. You know, going back to what I was saying before about how there's so many different contributing factors to any one person's condition we can really look at all of those different things and really treat based on how that person is is completely different than the other 10 100 people you treat in atopic dermatitis or psoriasis or whatever. It's funny because I have a number of patients who are part of these Facebook support groups for psoriasis or atopic dermatitis or uh, topical steroid withdrawal. And, um, you know, they'll compare with each other, you know, all the different ingredients that are in their formulas and they'll say, Oh, well, Olivia gave me this, this, and this. And the other person will say, Oh yeah, I got that too. And I said, well, it's not the same formula necessarily. You might have similar ingredients, but the dosages and the ratios of those dosages are probably very, very different based on what's going on with you. So the customization is just, you know, absolutely unbelievable. And the beauty is that you can continuously can change that customization throughout the treatment process so that as people are healing, you can always meet them at where they are. Whereas a lot in Western medicines, you know, they're preformed and you take the same thing beginning, middle and end. And there is no difference between, you know, Sally who has atopic dermatitis versus Joe who has atopic dermatitis. They pretty much use the same things. So I would say those are the biggest strengths that we have as a medicine.
1: I would agree. It, it It's one of the beauties of our medicine. It's one of the frustrating things about our medicine because we can find something that works and it can be useful. It's going to be useful for a while until it's time to do something different. You know, often patients will be, will be like, oh, so this is just the formula that I'm going to take. Uh, can I give this to my cousin who has a similar kind of acne? And of course, the answer is no, because, well, actually, the answer is maybe. I don't know, because who knows what kind of acne the cousin actually has?
0: That's right. That's absolutely right. Um, I definitely have families that I treat. You know, the mom and dad will say to me, well, why can't we just have like one big formula that the whole family can take and we'll just, you know, take our dosages throughout the day? like, well, you know, each one of your kids actually is presenting very differently. And so you all need very different uh, formulas. And if you want to get better, I would recommend that we customize them instead of doing this more generic route.
1: Yeah. That's sometimes a tricky thing to, I was going to say sell to people. It's not that we're trying to sell it, but to actually have people understand that we're all very different. And even though symptoms might be the same or people have the same—I'm using air quotes here—diagnosis, it doesn't mean that the underlying process is the same. I mean, sometimes I have to, like, pull out, you know, different kinds of metaphors to help people understand, like, well, you know, okay, you got two kids. They both got this issue. But have you noticed they have really different personalities?
0: Exactly. Yeah, I would say metaphors are probably one of the things I've gotten really good at since I've become a practitioner, because it's really the way to connect with people and help them understand uh, why art medicine works the way it is. Because oftentimes when you just explain it straight out, it doesn't make sense to them. So, um, oh, it makes no right. sense
1: whatsoever. Yeah, right? I mean, it, 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 I have found increasingly, whenever I try to give a patient kind of that Chinese medicine 101 thing, I might as well just smack my head into the wall because it never helps. Yep. I just, You're I, absolutely right. Or I just might be lousy at explaining it, but I find it just doesn't help to try to ask them to understand it from our point of view.
0: Right, right. No, I think the metaphor is the better way to go. And actually, I do a lot of writing for that specific reason, just because it helps me to crystallize what exactly am I trying to say in words that other people could understand. I think oftentimes um, Chinese medicine practitioners get a little bit too comfortable in using the the words that we were taught in Chinese school, Chinese medicine school. But I mean, the average person has no idea what that means. And so we really need to translate that for them. And we really need to put it in language that helps them best understand what's happening. And, and then they get better results because they, they understand it more, they are on board. And then, you know, the whole process goes a lot easier.
1: I have learned to look for that glazed look in people's eyes and that's when I know I've missed them. It took me a long time to realize that I was wasting a lot of breath and and people would like nod politely but nothing was going in. That yeah. is so
0: true. Yeah. I I've seen it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I well, I think we all have. And it really is a I think it's incumbent on us to find a way of communicating where we can take the ideas that we know and that we use in our clinic, but speak it out in a way that fits for that particular patient. Same metaphor is not going to work on every person, right? You've really got to craft. It's, it's like crafting a treatment in some ways,
2: oh, right? Oh, absolutely. We choose yep. needles
1: and we choose herbs for a specific patient. And, and I'm beginning to think we probably need to choose words with every bit as much intention,
0: I would agree with that. And I would say that probably the people who do the best with uh, patient service or what customer service, or you want to call it, is are the people who really are great at explaining things and, and really putting it into words that are simple, words that are easily understandable, and get away from all of the, uh, the easy ways to explain things that we do when we're amongst our own peers.
1: Yeah, well, you know, that professional jargon is only helpful if you're hanging out with your with your with your friends.
0: That is so true, and you know I've noticed that uh, working on learn skin has definitely been an interesting opportunity. Oh, because I
1: bet it's been great for you.
0: It's been awesome in some ways because you know I'm really forced to talk about things in a Western perspective lots of times because of, I'm working with a lot of MDs, right? And so I have to think about. What I would normally think about in a Chinese way, in a Western way, and and put it into words that make sense. And so I don't know that we're always given that direct correlation in school, or even when we take our specialty courses. But you you really have to think a lot about, well, what is actually happening here that we're trying to describe in, in Chinese medicine? And how do we translate that to Western medicine so that we can talk to an MD?
1: So let me ask you this. How would you talk about damp heat to a Western MD?
0: That's a good question.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is one that I chew on all the time when I'm trying to talk to my patients. I'm looking for some help here.
0: Yeah. um, Depending on the severity, I mean, you can talk about it from the perspective of, well, in skin, I'm talking specifically. We can talk about swelling. We can talk about exudate. We can talk about infection. We can talk about uh, crusting and uh, things like that, or even like angioedema, edema.
1: So it, it's like if someone has exited, right, or they've got swelling, people are going to think, oh, I or I got crusty skin. Oh, yeah, I got this crusty skin. Well, you're just renaming it damp heat. You're taking something that they're actually experiencing that's actually in front of them. It's in their body. And they've got a way of thinking about it. And you're saying, oh, yeah, that's damp heat, this thing that you're seeing. You're not, you're not making up an idea about, well, you know, it's when the fluids and the heat they kind of mix and, you know, the, the ways that we talk about it in school, you're pointing to something real in their experience. That's exactly right. Do you use acupuncture to treat skin conditions as well or is it mostly an herbal thing?
0: I am 100% herbal. When I first started in my clinic or started my clinic, I did a little bit of facial acupuncture thinking that I would do all aspects of skin, whether it be a dermatological issue or more of a cosmetic issue. And I found that I actually enjoyed the dermatological side a lot more. Um, And it was just a personal preference. I also really enjoyed working with the herbs a lot more. So I kind of transitioned and I stopped doing acupuncture. But I think, to be honest with dermatology, I think that uh, herbal medicine is far better at treating it. I think that acupuncture can be a good adjunct, but I don't know that it's as effective. And one of the reasons is because, you know, herbal medicine is something that you can do every day, that you can affect the body. I think very few people can do acupuncture every day. And also a lot of people who have skin conditions really can't have needles stuck into them in a lot of different places because they have a problem in those areas. So it's, it, they oftentimes um, have irritated skin and, or areas where, I mean, you really just can't do a lot of things too. So I find that it's actually easier to treat people with herbal medicine. Um, for facial acupuncture, I think it's a little bit different. Um, yeah, that different, was more cosmetic. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, I mean, that was almost 100% acupuncture with some from topicals and some tinctures and masks and things like that. So, that was a whole different experience. But it's also a very different client base. Super and, different client base. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I found that I really enjoyed working with people like myself who really had been. Uh, Suffering a lot and was really looking for an answer versus people who were really looking more for a way to look better. You know, most of these people probably look pretty good to begin with. Um, They just want to look a little bit better. But a lot of my dermatological patients, a lot of them are in places where they don't even want to go outside anymore because they don't want to be seen. And a lot of them, are not even part of a social network anymore because they cannot bring themselves to be seen by other people. And some of the people that I work with, like uh, people who have topical steroid withdrawal actually get so sick that they become hospitalized and they have to lose their jobs and, you know, things like that. So I felt more of a calling to work with people who were at a place where they really needed to resolve something so that they could have their life back.
1: Yeah. And it's wonderful that our medicine can do this. It really is. When you use herbs, what are you using? Are you doing raw herbs? Do you do powders? Um tablets. What what is uh, what's your herbal pharmacy look like?
0: So I actually work with Camwo in New York. Um I don't have my own pharmacy and I don't think you I'm outsourced ever going to... it. Yes. Good for uh, you. Yeah, I think I would rather have someone who's an expert take care of that for me than to run that myself. I think I enjoy the the patient um, interaction a lot more. So I do liquid vacuum pack herbs. So basically, um, Camo puts together raw herb decoctions for me, and they dispense them in vacuum packs that are already dosed, um, so that each vacuum pack um, represents one dose, and it gets uh, drop shipped to my patient's house. And all they have to do is start taking them. So it's a really nice service because then people don't even have to worry about um, making the herbs. I find that the raw herbs are probably the most effective. I think they've done a number of different studies and have shown that the extraction rate of raw herbs versus other types or other forms of herbs is a lot more efficacious. Um, not to say that the other ones don't work, but you know when you're taking a decoction, and then you're processing it yet again to make a pill or to make a granule. I mean, you're usually putting it through another process that takes away some of the strength of the herb. And then oftentimes you have to mix it with something to either keep it dry or to keep it in a form that stays in that powder or granular form. So it's not always 100% pure. And because a lot of the additives have drying effects because that's what you're trying to do with the granule or the tablet is to keep it dry. Um, it's not the greatest thing for people who have skin conditions. Um, oftentimes keeping them dry is not a good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I find that the raw herbs are really the, the first choice. I do have some people who maybe live, uh, overseas or whatnot and, uh, It's not the easiest thing to send them vacuum packs and sometimes they explode while they're being shipped. And in those few cases, um, I'll send granules or something more dry. I do have a few people who really can't stand the taste of the herbs. Um, And so we do our best to try to accommodate them with um, other forms. The difficult part is that most dermatological uh, formulas are pretty large. And as a result, um, you can have to take like 20 capsules three times a day or something like yeah. that. And um, I mean you need to dose it pretty high either. for these yeah, these exactly. kind of
1: conditions. It's not like, oh, someone's got a little they've got a little cough or their digestion's off a little. It's you know, they've got skin that's, you know, hot and weeping.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it can be a little challenging, but I guess at the end of the day, I mean, as all medicine would find, there's certain people that sort of find themselves being better candidates than others. You know, I think that people who can take the vacuum packs are probably more likely to do well and to succeed. Well, than they're super probably. convenient, too. Yeah, exactly. I lived
1: in Beijing for a while, and there was a pharmacy down the street. It's super popular there to do that vacuum pack thing. So you can, like, go wherever you're going in the morning, drop off a prescription, pick it up on the way home. You've got two weeks' worth of herbs. And just stick it in your fridge, and it's, you know, hermetically sealed. It's fantastic stuff.
0: Yeah, it was a really great invention. I, I believe it came about in the 1980s. I think it was a Korean company that started it. I think it's a Korean it. company,
1: yeah. yeah. I think all the big machines are from Korea still. Yeah,
0: it, it's pretty amazing, I have to say.
1: Yeah. How long does it take people to get their herbs after you put an order in? That I mean, that sounds like such a, a, a super handy service.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, it depends on when I get my formula in queue for the day. Um, Usually if I can get it in before noon, you know, they usually can make it that day and then it'll take about two days to ship. But lots of times, you know, my patients are seen in the afternoon and I have to put in the order that night or or the next day, um, which adds another day to it. If the order goes in later in the week, sometimes it takes longer because they don't typically deliver or UPS doesn't deliver on Saturdays and Sundays. So um, oftentimes they have to wait until the weekend. But I just sort of build that into the treatment plan. And I understand that knowing that if I see this patient on this day, I will probably need to order them a few extra packets so that they can get through to the next appointment and the next order. And then I just uh, add additional packets on so that there is no break in between.
1: Right. How often do you tend to see patients?
0: So for dermatology, it really makes a lot of sense to see people um, every couple of weeks because there's typically changes that happen um, pretty significantly. Um, And there's also a lot of different things that can come up. People with like atopic dermatitis can flare and have different symptoms come up and you kind of need to address those. So I meet with people every two weeks for some conditions where it really is just a matter of time, Um, something like a vitiligo or something like that, where it's, I can see people maybe once a month or a little bit longer than that because I know they just have to keep taking the herbs. They really don't have to talk to me. There's nothing I can say or do that's going to change things, and their condition is not going to change any faster by meeting. But, yeah, I would say every two weeks is about right for most patients.
1: I have never had a successful experience treating vitiligo. I've seen it a few times. Have you got any pointers for me?
0: Uh, patience is probably the number one thing. Um, it definitely takes a long time. And usually when I have patients who come through the door and, and come to me for vitiligo, I prepare them that if you really want to treat this, you probably will have to do this for at least a year. Um, so be prepared for that. And if you're willing to embark on that, then I'm, I'm happy to help you. But I'm very clear about that at the beginning, because I just want to, uh, make sure that expectations are, um, appropriate before starting.
1: Yeah. Well, we were talking about this earlier. People are often looking for the instant, the instant cure, the instant anything, right? I mean, living in the internet age has only made that worse. That's for sure. And yet it would seem to me that anyone who's had a chronic skin condition, wouldn't they kind of get it that this is not going to change overnight?
0: You would think that, but what's funny is that, for some reason, our culture has been raised to believe that anything to do with health should be ameliorated quickly. And I think it's because we base a lot of our ideas of health on germ theory. And that if we have a pathogen, all we have to do is get rid of it. And if we get rid of it, then we're going to be healthy again. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is that Specifically for skin conditions, it's not a pathogen. You no, know, it's, it's a an dis- ecosystem. Right, it's a whole system that has gone awry, and that whole thing needs to be changed or rebuilt or, you know, realigned. A lot of the times when I deal with people, I mean, I really have to reset their their understanding of the body and uh, reset a sense of timing of what it should take. And for those people who are really ready to understand that they probably are the best suited to go through the process. Um, I think the other people probably get frustrated at some point and then they quit. So it's almost self-selecting depending on how much you want to want to understand about your health.
1: Sure. Yeah. I I think we've all found that there are the patients who they just want something fixed. I mean, really like taking your car into a a car repair shop. Uh, And then there's other patients that recognize they have a role in the whole thing. And and they do tend to get better results, I think.
0: I think so too.
1: Because they're bringing more of themselves there and they are not simply looking for us to fix it. They're also looking to see what can they do for yeah. themselves.
0: I, I think there's also the opposite to that too, is that people take way too much responsibility for their health sometimes. And they think that every little thing that they have done has caused, you know, what they are at net right now to the point where, you know, people will stop eating all different kinds of food because they think that that's going to make their skin better. And there's actually a, a terminology for that called um, orthorexia, where people are cutting out every single possible thing that they can think of that might cause their, their issue, not just their skin issue, but just their condition. And they're ending up not eating anything with nutrients in it. And then they're getting sick from that. Um, so I oftentimes have patients who are trying so hard to find that one thing that they're doing wrong, um, that they feel responsible yes. for, that
1: I, you know, I see this a lot as well, and they they're looking for that one. They are. It's like they want the diagnosis. They want the bad player. They want the microbe. I mean, whatever it is, they think there's this one thing, and if I get that and I take care of that, everything else is going to work. Right.
0: Right. Um, it really think,
1: doesn't work that way, does it?
0: No, it doesn't. I think those are the same people who are getting every single test there is. You know, thinking that it's going to be that one, that one supplement that they need to take and they're going to get better, or if it's that, you know, I'm just not doing a good job managing my emotions and whatnot. And you know, maybe that's part of it, but it's not the only thing, right? So, I often see patients who probably beat themselves up quite a bit, thinking that they've done so many bad things to themselves. And, you know, if only they did this, this and this, like everything would get better. But I think what they really need to understand is that their their system has been compromised to a point that they actually need something to bolster them back up again and sort of serve as like a scaffolding while they actually get rebuilt. And until they're at that point where they can stand alone, they need that help and that support. And that's a little bit different thinking than believing that you just have to put this one key into the hole and turn it and then you'll be all better.
1: Yeah. Now, you know, again, you see strictly dermatological concerns. I've got a, a very general practice but you were, you were just touching on something here about how you see so many patients are like taking too much responsibility, and they're looking for that one thing. I mean, I get it. I, I see that in, in some of my patients. Earlier, you were talking about how sometimes there are psychological factors that come into a person's skin condition. Do you see any kind of correlations between certain kinds of psycho-emotive issues and certain kinds of skin conditions?
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I don't know if I have a lot of research to base what I'm saying. These are all my own observations. But You've got I would,
1: clinical experience. That's, yeah. what I'm, that's what I'm interested in. Yeah,
0: I would definitely say that um, with atopic eczema, I've found that a lot of people are people who sort of repress a lot of their feelings. Um, they don't always come forward with what they think and what they believe, and they don't speak up, and so they kind of uh, push everything down. Um, I found that there's a lot of people who have that. There's a lot of people who um, have familial issues that they've never really dealt with. And there's a lot of different traumas that have happened to a lot of people. And uh, what's interesting is when I'm treating people, you know, I definitely touch upon that at some point. I mean, I definitely get into it in my initial intake, and sometimes some things come out, sometimes they don't, but sometimes as the treatment goes on, it becomes apparent that there's more of that going on and at sure. some I mean, point
1: it usually takes a relationship before they're going to yeah let you see that side of it
0: yeah but there's definitely a point where people will kind of open up and let that out and there's almost like a breakthrough where they realize that that's a big component of what's holding them back or what's causing them to be unhealthy And I oftentimes find that once they're able to release that, a lot of things get better. So there is a huge component to that. I wouldn't say it's every single person, but I will say that I I deal with a lot of chronic issues. And as a result, um, I've definitely seen more and more of this coming up.
1: Yeah. Well, and I would think anyone who's been dealing with a chronic issue for a long time, I mean, if you didn't have some sort of emotive peace connected to it. I mean, maybe because, you know, like you were saying, some people can't go out, or they don't want to go out, they feel shut in, there's loneliness, you know, all kinds of things. And so even if they didn't have some of that in the first place, you could easily develop it by having this. It's kind of a chicken and egg thing, right? Who knows what came first, but it yeah, it's, it's a piece of the equation, it sounds like.
0: Well, I think the other thing that's really interesting is, um, as I've been studying Chinese medicine and specifically dermatology, you know, lots of times, like in Western medicine, we say, you know, you're having these particular emotions because you now have this dermatological condition. So you're feeling bad because you look this way. But in Chinese medicine, there's so many different instances where we say, no, you have this condition, and as a result, you're going to have these different emotions because of this because of this particular pattern that you have. And therefore, if you actually clear up that pattern, then you're not going to have those emotions anymore. Right, so they just really, go
1: away all on their own. Yeah,
0: so it's a very different way of looking at emotions and why you might feel the way you do, um, or even energy levels, right? We talk a lot about how, you know, if your chi is not upright and in, in, in appropriate levels at for whatever age you are, you know, you're you're sort of tired and lethargic and whatnot. But with certain skin conditions, we find that if you have this particular condition, you will automatically have this, you know, sort of downward spiraling chi. But, you know, they don't really put that together in Western medicine. They just go, oh, well, you know, you're just sick and tired of having this condition and therefore you're tired. It's like, well, not really. Not, not really. <laughs>
1: well, you know, this this comes back to, in my mind, to what you were talking about earlier with how patients will sometimes take responsibility for something and think they did something wrong when, in fact, it's just the milieu that they're living in. So I'll hear people talk about, well, you know, I'm so lazy. Right, or I mean, they they'll, they'll they'll talk bad about themselves, and it it sometimes it is because they're caught in this particular kind of a pattern. You would expect to see them behaving the ways that they are behaving, or craving the foods they crave, or having the energy levels that they have.
0: Right. Well, I think with any chronic condition, you start to focus more and more on a smaller world, and then that world becomes mm. all about you. Right. And it's it becomes no wonder
1: there's so many Facebook groups. Where, I mean, I've got a few patients in particular with some, with issues of asthma, and they live on that goddamn Facebook group. I mean, they they live in this echo chamber of their illness. It's it's really surprising to a little shocking actually, um, how small their world is, and yet within that world they're super active. Right. Right.
0: You know, your disease becomes you and you become your disease. You know, if you look at somebody who's a really healthy individual, they're out in the world, they're meeting new people, they're doing new things, they're always open to newness, right? As your health is compromised, you typically tend to withdraw more, right? And the sicker you become or the more your health concern becomes a bigger concern of your life, you withdraw a lot until the point where, you know, you kind of keep to yourself and you really don't go out anymore and you don't do anything except be with yourself and deal with yourself and focus on yourself. You know, I can kind of tell emotionally where somebody's at, like how, how much they go out and how much they do. And so then I can kind of work from there. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes I give my patients some homework to kind of watch a movie and start thinking about people again and say, okay, I know that you felt, feel like, like you have this, you know, this problem that's, you know, all encompassing and whatnot, but I want you to watch this movie and I want you to see how many other people have problems and how many different kinds of problems they have and that, you know, they continue to live too, right? So it kind of gives them a perspective that, yeah, okay, we do, we all have problems, right? And, you know, I know that this one feels like a really big one, and it feels insurmountable, but I mean, there's a lot of different things out there that keep people from living a normal life sometimes. And, and sometimes you need to be reminded that you're not the only one and, you know, you can get through this and there are ways to deal with it.
1: What are some of the movies that you like to recommend?
0: I kind of ask people to watch their favorite movies to kind of make it easy for them. Um, I don't know if there's a specific movie that I would recommend, but I think almost every movie, there's somebody who has a problem, right? And there's some way that they get through it or or don't, right? And so I think it's important for people to just focus on other people sometimes and realize that there are as many issues out there and as many people suffering from or, or trying to work through them and that, you know, the world is bigger than, you know, what they're kind of keeping themselves into, So sometimes, you know, I I get them to think about that. I get them to think about, you know, how other people can feel bad or insecure or whatnot and for different reasons. Right. And that it's a normal thing to feel that it's not just because you don't you don't feel this way just because you have a skin disease. I mean, people feel insecure about all kinds of things. You know, people feel uh, not good enough for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, that's not something that is specific to your condition. It's kind of the way we are as human beings, right?
1: Mm. I would agree with that. There, there are things that we are as human beings. Sometimes people come in, they've got something going on, especially like in cases of anxiety, you know, and they're like, well, you know, I just can't turn my mind off. My mind is always going. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're a human being. You have a human mind. That's what human minds do. You don't necessarily have a problem because your brain won't stop talking to you. That's the way it is. Everybody's like that. And sometimes it's quite surprising, I think, for my patients. Actually, I think a lot of them don't believe me or they're just thinking, what's he talking about? When, When I say to them, everybody's got this. One of the reasons why meditation's been around for so long, one of the reasons why it's increasingly popular is because it's the antidote to thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we live in a, in a world where we're all supposed to be something, right? And I think we really need to get to this place that we can appreciate that we all are individuals and we're all experiencing this life very differently, but in the same ways in a lot of ways too, right? And I think it goes back to this medicine is that we are looking at individuals as individuals and as unique beings. And, you know, while there is this large part of us that we have a commonality with everybody, there's also this huge amount of things that make us very unique. And so I think that's that's what our medicine is all about is is appreciating You know, the microcosm and the macrocosm and how they all work together.
1: Sometimes I think that's an important part of the healing process that happens when we practice our medicine. It has nothing to do with the needles. It has nothing to do with the herbs. It has everything to do with that we have this perspective that someone is unique and we treat them that way. And they are not used to being treated that way. They're not used to hearing about their uniqueness. They're not used to recognizing that they're this own unique constellation of things that work well and things that don't work and things they like about themselves and things they don't. And for another human being to actually appreciate that in someone's presence, I think it's kind of rare.
0: I would agree to that, for sure. I mean, to the point where... When that actually happens, I mean, so many people just start crying, right? Because they've just never had that opportunity to express themselves so raw and to be so real. Um, and so that's a common occurrence in my in my office as well. It's like when people finally get that chance to be seen as an individual, they just start, you know, crying. Yeah, so it's moving. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I have very much appreciated our conversation today.
0: Likewise it's been really great talking to you Michael.
1: This has been fun. I just got one more question before we go. Cuz you know you're involved with Chinese medicine, you're involved with other doctors that practice other kinds of medicine. I mean you've got you've got a wide view out there. I'm curious to know what has your attention right now. It could be Chinese medicine, it could be something else, but something that's kind of come into your awareness that's got your attention. That you're kind of digging into these days, you don't maybe understand it all the way, but it's got your curiosity.
0: I mean, I'm very involved with the American Society of Acupuncturists, and I would say that the reason why Wait, that I has am.
1: nothing to do with dermatology,
0: <laughs> actually, it does. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, trying to really get in a place where this medicine is appreciated um, for all of its abilities is something that's really important to me. And I think that, you know, dermatology is just part of it. Our medicine really needs to get to a place where it is accepted in all ways and shapes and forms. And it is appreciated by the masses and actually utilized by the masses. There's such a small percentage of people who are using it right now. And I think that's a real shame. But I think that. There can be some work to be done where we can actually get that to be in a better place, and so that was one of the reasons why I actually got involved with the ASA, hoping to to help that happen. And you know, that's also trying to promote what we can do with dermatology, um, trying to promote what we can do with herbal medicine, and you know, really trying to help this whole profession move forward.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for helping with that effort. Uh, the ASA has another whole topic that we could get into, and maybe we'll do that on another, on another day, but I'll make sure that we've got some links on the show notes page so people can get more information. Livia, thanks so much for your time today.
0: You're welcome, Michael. It was a real pleasure talking to you, and thank you so much for inviting me.
1: Thanks for joining me for this week's conversation. I'm constantly surprised at the depth and the breadth of Chinese medicine and how it can be taken in so many different directions, and how with some focus and practice, we can go deep into a specific area and be of so much help to those who are suffering from chronic disease. I'm constantly encouraged by the spirit and the efforts of those who push the edges. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight,